0: Give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Grab your Bibles, Mark chapter 15. Just remain standing with me for the next few moments. Then you can watch me stand the rest of the moments. Mark chapter 15. And I want to talk to you here this morning about a secret That shouldn't be a secret. Mark chapter 15 verse 42. We're going to begin there. In Mark chapter 15, 42 it says, It was Preparation Day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So evening approached and Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, Went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Now turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, just a few books over. John 19, verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, I believe there's a Bible in your front pew right there. John chapter 19 verse 38 says later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus but secretly somebody say secretly somebody say secretly tell your neighbor secretly says now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders with Pilate's permission he came and took the body away he was accompanied by Nicodemus. Mm. Before you're seated, shake about three people's hands and tell them you are not to be a secret. Awesome if this is your first time here within our church and you don't have a Bible, I want to challenge you. Go ahead and find somebody who will mentor you and help you, not just in obtaining a Bible, but in studying the Bible. A lot of people have a Bible. They just don't read it. And then many people read it. They just don't run with it. But I want to challenge you here today. Get a Bible. Just don't say, I went to church and I did my heavenly duties so that one day when I see this mighty master face to face, he's going to let me in because he let me into church. Challenge you. Be a witness forgot. I want to tell you a story. It's not true. We just made it up. There was a man and his wife and his mother-in-law, and they went on vacation to the Holy Land. While they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. The undertaker then told them, so you can have her shipped home, for $5,000 and have all the burial and all the services there. Or you can bury her here and have everything taken care of in the Holy Land for just $150. The man thought about it and told him he would just rather have his mother-in-law shipped home. The undertaker asked, why? Why? why would you spend $5,000 to ship your mother-in-law home when you can, when it would be wonderful to have her buried right here in the Holy Land and only spend $150? The man told the undertaker, he said, a man died here 2,000 years ago. He was buried here and three days later, he rose from the dead. I just can't take that chance with my mother-in-law. That's cold, huh? That's cold. But for some of you, that's true. I want to talk to you a little bit in pertaining to the death of Jesus Christ, but more so than the death of Jesus as the life of Joseph and what he stood for, or should I say what he was late on standing for. These few verses in the Bible that we just read have to deal with some of history's most darkest hours ever recorded. The most gloomy of emotions set the tone for the most horrific death ever recorded in the chronicles of history, and that is the death of Jesus Christ. We hear about it, many of us even have a a movie in our DVD library, we're able to see this, where Jesus' face was beaten beyond recognition We hear and we even see about how he was whipped with 39 lashes. He was even made to carry a large cross in humiliation up to the Calvary Hill through Golgotha. So this action that Joseph of Arimathea is one of a glowing deed that even all four of the gospel authors choose to highlight within the lowest of times. What Joseph did here stood out beyond just an instant action, but a lasting courage for generations to come. All four authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, highlight what Joseph stood for on this gloomy day. The death of Jesus Christ. This had to be probably the darkest day in history. But yet what Joseph did on this dark day spread a light throughout the generations. What Joseph did was beyond chivalrous on this, what we see now as a good Friday. Joseph of Arimathea. Now, Joseph of Arimathea, the Bible called him a disciple, but a secret disciple. Somebody say secrets. Somebody say secret. Now, Joseph, along with Nicodemus, they were both members of the Sanhedrin. The same Sanhedrin that hours before had just agreed to convict, condemn, and crucify Jesus Christ. They were a part of the council that just oversaw the hearing and the instant quick hearing of convicting Jesus and then beating Jesus and then crucifying him. He was a part of the council that oversaw the ruling of that. That's who Joseph was. It seems that both Joseph and Nicodemus had failed to speak up at the council meetings. See, my friend, what they were showing and what we see here was a very deadly sin, and that was the sin of omission. The sin of omission. Listen, my friend, you and I have been called to the great commission, not the great omission. See, it's very important that, what you and I have, and what God has given us, that we share this faith and not keep it to ourselves. Don't be a selfish Christian. Matter of fact, isn't that an oxymoron? A selfish Christian? That doesn't make any sense. Because if you're a Christian, you should be a giver and sharing of your faith. Tell your neighbor, don't be quiet. <laughs> If you study history, as I begin to even study for this message, I begin to look at even one of the most darkest times in the history that even to this day some people can still touch and see and hear about and think about to this day, and that's the Holocaust. You guys remember, millions upon millions of Jews were slaughtered, beaten, killed, gassed, tortured, millions of them. As I begin to study, you know, you know what, true, This is a true story, look it up for yourself. Did you know that the Orthodox Church during the Holocaust was really mostly silent? During the Holocaust, they were having debates on what size candles should be allowed in the church. Six inches or eight inch candles. While millions of people were being killed, the church was quiet. Wow. Can you imagine if the church would have just stood up? And spoke up and said, Hey, don't do that. It's not right. But instead, they were looking at the candles. They were looking at the decorations. They were looking at the lights. No, the camera, it's off. The screen, it's too big. No, it's too cold in the church. No, it's not bright enough. No, they didn't shake my hand. Too busy into themselves. Rather than worried about the Great Commission. They were omitting something very important, and that was to preach the gospel. See, during times of council, these can be very magnified, both cowardly and courageously, in times of council. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a council meeting before, but I know years ago, I don't know how many of you were a part of it, but there was something happening here in the city of Hayward, and they were actually making this small Spanish church. I'll never forget this. They were making this small Spanish church. They were trying to drive them out. It was on Roos Road off of Tennyson. I don't know if you're familiar with the area. They're on Roos Road. And they were making this church. Because I can't remember the exact details, but they were basically driving them out of the city saying they can't do this. They can't put up a sign. I mean, a small sign that was like three by three. It wasn't even very big, but the council members. and So I'll never forget. I, I, does anybody remember that time? Does anybody remember? Just a few. Okay, there's a few of you. Well, what happened? Bishop Macklin, thank God for Bishop Macklin. Come on, somebody. Thank God for Bishop Macklin. Thank God for Bishop Macklin. I hope he hears this message. Thank God for Bishop Macklin. Bishop Macklin rallied all the pastors of Hayward. I'll never forget. I had really even no idea what was taking place. I heard about it just earlier. And Bishop Macklin got all the the pastors and he said, We need to show up at City Hall at this time on a Tuesday night, because that's the public hearing. So I'll never forget, we all showed up. There was hundreds of us. Now, if you know anything about a public council, anybody can go. Anybody can go, and you could say whatever you want to say. If, you, you know, if a pipe busted or if it's something in the park, you could show up and speak your piece. So on that Tuesday night, we spoke our piece. Hundreds. The council wasn't ready for that. You know, there's like eight council members and about 800 of us. We showed up there, I'll never forget, you have to write your name down, and one by one, you get to submit, and then you come to the podium, and you have, uh, I think it's 90 seconds to present your case. And so I'll never forget, the atmosphere in that place, whew, it's what we would describe as like electric as a Christian, because you could feel it. I mean, 800, which only about 150 fit in the room, so they actually had to tell us but before the council started, they were like, you know, order, order, uh, can you guys please go outside unless you have a seat? so you could see some people like, I ain't going outside. I don't know what I'm saying right here. Know. You, know, you know, Christians, right, when we rally together, like, you ain't telling me nothing, you know. Because, <laughs> you know, we were standing all along the sides. This was right here, right here at City Hall. And we're there. I mean, just it was powerful. It was awesome. And I'll never forget, the, uh, I was able, I had the honor to represent Victory Outreach at that time. I believe my father was still around, but he said, go ahead, you know, represent uh, or my mom, I, I can't remember exactly, but we were there, and so I got an opportunity to stand in front of everybody, and I shared, and I was like, you know, on, on behalf of, you know, I'm from Victory Outreach, and I'm here, it, 800 here, and eight in front of me here, so, you know, you feel real strong, like, Yeah. So I'm you know, Victory Outreach, and I just want you to know, and I shared a little bit, I said, I want you to know, uh, they're on Roos Road, there was a picture on, on the slide, I said, they're on Roos Road, because that's actually where our very first church was from Victory Outreach, that was our very first church. And I told him, I said, that was actually the first place I got into a fight here on Roos Road. That's my first place. And I told him, I said, if you are so concerned about a little church with a little sign, I said, that what you need to do is you need to go out there right now and be more concerned about the gang members graffitiing on every house on that street. I said, that's what you need to be more concerned about the drug addiction that is on that street. And don't tell me it's not because I live there. I know. You should have seen their face. I go, so I just want you to know, we are here. Because the thing was, if they were going to make that church do it, then the rest of the churches were going to have to start obeying and listening to what they had to say. Yeah. Start one, domino effect. That church, then let's go to that church. Oh, that church going to, then let's go to that church. So we stood our ground said, no, it's not going to happen, and I'll never forget. It was Councilman Olden Henson, I believe it was his name. He, he looked at me, and he because, uh, you know, then they asked questions to us. He goes, I have one question for you, young man. go sure what is it he goes the fight that you had did you win I go sir I'm still here but I'll never forget that it was electric in that council I mean it's just you can't describe it well what took place within the courthouse of Jesus was the complete opposite it wasn't electric It was actually a fire that was ready to burn into this man with chains on him. See, that's the way that that council was. See, because when you come into a council of people, I mean, there's just an atmosphere that is there. It's either going to be powerful or it's going to suck the life right out of the room. And in the council of Jesus, that's what Joseph was a part of. Joseph was a part of sucking the life out of humanity. That's what he was a part of. That's what Nicodemus was a part of. They were a part of something that just began to drain the life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, if you're taking notes, 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 6 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for us. For the sins of the whole world. Oh, come on, somebody. That's awesome. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. Wow. Being called a liar, I think, is probably like one of the worst four letter words you ever could be called. A liar. Then it says, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, for the love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. What does that mean? I got my brother right here. This is Brother Greg. And I say, Brother Greg. I say, man, I know Brother Greg. Matter of fact, we're going to start a TV show called Everybody Knows Greg. If you've been a part of our church, if you're visiting our church, just talk to Greg for about five minutes. I can almost guarantee he knows you or he's related to you. <laughs> Everybody knows Greg. I know Greg. All right, awesome, powerful. Praise the Lord. I ask Greg, say, hey, Greg, can I borrow your tie? Greg says, yes, of course, not a problem. We have an understanding. To, don't do it. That's your tie. That's your tie. But we have an understanding, more than likely. But if I walk up to one of you, Maybe some of you, maybe I may not know that well. I'm looking even right here. So, how are you doing? Nice to meet you. What is your name? Jessalyn? Jessalyn, can I borrow $500? <laughs> I just met her right now, by the way. Some of you are thinking, oh, he knows. I don't know her. Do I know? Have I met you before? Well, i met you now. Hi, my name is Steve. Nice to meet you. Esteban. People can't say my name right. See, I have to explain myself all the time. Now, I'm omitting one thing. I'm omitting a trust that we have not built yet. I'm omitting a relationship. Now, I'm still asking. I'm probably, if I get to know her, maybe in about 10 years, I'll ask her for 500 bucks. No, I'm not going to ask her right now. No way. I don't have no relationship. There's nothing built there. So what was being asked of Joseph, he omitted one thing. He had the sin of omission that he was able to speak up, but he didn't. He didn't speak up when he should have because there was nothing built that he thought, well, I, I can't do that. There's no way. See, my friend, if you and I are gonna come to church and say, I'm a Christian, well, we're gonna be able to tell by the way that you walk, by the way that you talk, by the way that you live. Now, listen to me, we're not perfect. Even though I know Greg real well, there's still some mistakes that sometimes I make with him. I know he definitely, definitely, definitely makes with me. Definitely. Now, know this just because he makes mistakes, it doesn't change my love for Greg. Doesn't change that. The same way it is with us in Christ, we make mistakes. To Christ all the time. That's what sin is, missing the mark, making the mistake out of his will. So here we see Joseph and Nicodemus were quiet at the time when they should have said something. They should have said something. But there was something that did happen to Joseph right after the death. Joseph began to take heart. The closer, more well-known disciples had left their master, Peter, gone. John, gone. James, gone. All of them gone in 60 seconds. Come on, Nicholas Cage, they were gone. (laughs) While the other more well known disciples were leaving, Joseph was running in. There was something that took place to Joseph. See, Jesus' death was before the Sabbath. And Pilate had made it very clear to have his death take place before the sun went down. The average death by crucifixion had lasted three days due to exhaustion and starvation, not through the beating and through wounds. So because of this, something had to be done quickly or else the body would be handled like any common criminal. Something had to be done at that very moment. Something must be declared before the window of opportunity had been lost. Somebody had to step up to the plate and take a swing before everyone had missed the chance. And right at that moment, Joseph's time arrived. arised. Joseph's time had now come. And Joseph went straight to the top. He went right to the governor. And he said, listen, pilots. I had been quiet in the council meetings. I had not said anything before, but there's something that I saw that happened to me. There was an experience that I had when I saw the death of my Savior. So here I am now. I was quiet before, but here I stand. Give me that body. I'm not being quiet anymore. See, there was a time and an opportunity that came for Joseph, and his time was now. Maybe the other disciples, see, but even the other disciples, Peter, I'll never leave you, Jesus. Where was he? Gone. It's not about all the talk. It's about the walk. Joseph walked right into Pilate. Walked right into him. Said, look, before, I know I was quiet. But now, I got to say something. Something must be said. Now, what were the things, three things really quickly that I want to share with you, and then we're done. Three things that I want to share with you that kept Joseph a secret disciple. Number one, the Bible says was out of fear. He was a secret disciple out of fear of the Jewish leaders. See, fear has a way of closing a, per- a person's mouth in the most crucial of times. I like what Fulton... Our said, he said, we crucify ourselves between two thieves, the regret for yesterday and fear of tomorrow. We do that a lot. Fear, it grips us. Fear takes over us. I, I can't do that. I shouldn't say anything. And listen to me, especially in our day and age today where technology and information goes very quickly and it gets out there real fast. It really begins to grip you saying, man, look at everybody. Watch this. You ever been in a conversation, been talking with people, and let's just say like a movie. Hey, how was that movie? Oh, they said. Have you ever stopped to think, who's they? Who's they? Like if you really stop to think about it, more than likely they is one person. If you really think about it. But because, you know, we don't want to say, oh, one guy told me. We just say they. Or all of them. Did you know that there's an agenda that is coming out right now that only is they, but it's really only one person? It's a small percentage. And, and even if we talk about it, it's like, shh, shh, it's a council meeting. You can't talk about it. Do not talk about homosexuality. Don't say that word. If you say it, we're going to take you to jail. Right? Is an agenda coming out and it's keeping, why? Out of fear. Don't, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Especially when, you are know, right, when you're there at your job and people talk about it. And you hear them talking about it, right? And even they can misconstrue it. Oh, God loves all people. He loves them all. That, the homosexual, he loves them even in their sin. It's perfectly fine. And you're sitting there going, oh, man, what fear? I can't say nothing. What if I, what if I say something? What if I, what if I get fired at my job? I need my job. I need this money. I need it. I have to do it. Fear. See, the Bible says that Joseph didn't say anything out of fear of his leadership fear of his boss, fear of his coworkers, fear. I want to tell you right now, more and more, more and more, the agenda of this world is to close the mouth of the Christian. That's their agenda. Whatever they can do to close the mouth of, they don't care about Buddha. Say whatever you want, Buddha. They can care less about Hindu, uh, do do as much Hindu and Allah and mother, do whatever you want. Christians, they need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. And so out of fear, like, well, you're right. I need to be quiet because if I say something, I'm going to lose my job. If I say something, I'm going to lose my friends. If I say something, I can't tell. So I'm just going to be quiet. See, fear is able to grip your mouth and keep you quiet at the most crucial of times. Can you imagine if there was no fear and you were at the right moment at the right time speaking to the right person? Righteousness would fall in. But because of fear, no, I can't say nothing. Not me. I, I, I'll, I'll be a church person. I'll be a disciple, but I'll just be that secretly. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, fearing people is a dangerous trap. Whew. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. See, this was the kind of fear that has created a large nation of Joseph of Arimathea amongst Christians. People who keep the witness to themselves. Abraham, the father of faith, became a liar out of fear. Out of fear, he, well, I, well, she's like, "Yeah, she's my sister. She, she's my wife, but she's my sister. You know, I'm not telling the whole truth. But you know, I, I don't. I don't want to lose. I'm going I'm If I say the truth, I'm gonna die. Yeah. Even father Abraham, out of fear, became a liar. The great prophet, the power prophet Elijah, became depressed out of fear. Depressed, and you know who he who he feared? He feared a woman. He feared a woman. What's wrong with you, little sissy? Come oh, on, man. Fear gripped him. And so because fear gripped him, he became depressed. I can't do this. I can't do that. No, no, I, I know I just went and we just took care of all those prophets of Baal, but man, it's, I can't do that anymore. You know how hard, I just want to give you a little bit of insight right now to even sometimes, even as pastors, I want to tell you this. Pastors, we could even preach the most powerful message. When we get off the stage, we feel we bombed. It's, it's, it's a weird feeling, I'm telling you. It's a weird feeling. And anybody who's ever come behind this pulpit knows what I'm talking about. Because when you preach, you're like, yeah, and you feel it Sometimes. And what's funny is that even when it's flipped around, you're like, man, I preached the best message ever. You get off stage and people are like, yeah, don't shake his hand. He bombed. <laughs> like, oh, man. Because fear gri- Did I do good? Did I not do good? Was it great? I don't, I don't know. I, man, I, okay. I, I, I witnessed to her, but did she really hear me? I don't think she heard me. Oh, my. Did that really happen? Man, oh, okay, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. And fear grips you. And fear makes you take a step back. See, but even the greatest feared, but the greatest fought. See, the best fear, but the best fight. The best have that fear come over them, but then all of a sudden there's a faith level that goes above their fear level and says, greater is he that is in me than he that is trying to take me out through fear. Abraham feared, David feared, Elijah feared. Gideon feared. All these men feared. But nevertheless, they still fought. Listen to some of you here this morning saying, well, I go to church, and I'm just here, and it's okay. Listen, I know that when, you, when you're here in church, it feels good. Man, I'm singing the songs. I'm worshiping. But then all of a sudden, when you go out there, oh, I can't worship. I can't lift my hands. Even though a lot of times here at church, we say, man, take church to your job. And you're like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. But then all of a sudden, you get to your job, and you hear that music like... Now nah, I'm not going to say anything. They, they can just do what they want. That's no big deal. See, it feels good in here. It feels fearful out there. I can't do that. See, that's what happened with Joseph. Fear had taken over his life. See, my friend, the best fear, but the best fight. The Bible says, yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Fear no evil. See, my friend, never fear shadows. That always means that there is a light shining somewhere. Amen. Another reason for his secret discipleship is because he was very wealthy. Somebody say wealthy. In other words, he had a lot to lose. If he was going to say something, he had a lot to lose. He had money. See, my friend, it's not about the money in your pocket. It's about how much you let into your heart. The Bible says, for the love of money is the roots of all kinds. Get that word, kinds, and there's a bunch of them. All kinds of evil. In other words, money will make you do things that you don't want to do, but you'll do it anyways. For the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. So somebody once asked me, they said, so, Pastor, uh, you know, well, how much money can a Christian have? You know, aren't Christians supposed to be poor? I said, wait, 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 hold on. I don't know who told you that. So I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm rich. I'm very rich. I got more money than you can ever get into your bank accounts. It's just I got to get to heaven, and then I'm going to see it. Right now, Chase is not heaven. Amen but I'm chasing something else. For the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. So how much money can a Christian have? You can have as much money as you don't love. That's it. See, the problem is we love money too much. We love money too much. We think, man, the almighty dollar. I can't lose it. I got I to keep it. I got to hold on to it. You know, the, the principles of the Bible of giving, they they kind of go beyond the church walls and the church barriers and they do powerful things even beyond within church. I know people, I've shared this before, I know personally people who are not saved and they have intentionally said, I will not go to church. Nevertheless, they still say, I will intentionally tithe. And they're blessed because they know if they're going to continually obtain finances, because that's what they're going after, they know the principles of the Bible and they apply it. And they get blessed because they understand. They don't love money. They don't love it. They don't want to let it in there. I think it was Winston Churchill that said, I give money away before I get it, lest it find its way into my heart. Got to give it away. You give it away. Don't keep it. Don't hold on to that thing. See, Joseph, he was a prominent member of the council. He had a lot of money. So if he was to say anything, he probably would have lost everything. It was very important. Everything was hinging on what he was about to say. Because if he's going to say this, it's going to stand to maybe be treason. And if you're going to be, we're going to take all your assets. We're going to take everything that you have, and it's going to be ours. So what Joseph did, man, this was very important. He was a wealthy man. He had something that others wanted. See, wealth can either be a great servant or a hard taskmaster. Riches tend to make people self-sufficient in need of nothing, including a savior, that they don't need Jesus. See, Joseph had missed many opportunities to be a witness because of his wealth. Riches has a way to create cream puff Christians. I got that from my father right there on that one. Cream puff Christians. I was like, what's a cream puff Christian? Right? Because I was like, what's a cream puff? I don't know a cream puff. Then the other day, my son, he, uh, he likes these Cheetos, right? They're called puffs, Cheeto puffs. And so I remember my son, he had them all over the floor. Jesus, help me, Lord. Because when my son eats, for some reason, he thinks the whole floor is his dinner table or something. So I remember he had these cheese puffs, and I'm um, they're all over the floor, and I'm walking. I'm like, ah, oh, Elijah, get in here. And Elijah's face, if you know my son. <laughs> Some of you have that same face on your kids. All right, good. It's good to know. They're just looking at me. I'm like, Elijah pick these up. I didn't do it. I go, Elijah, you're the only kid here. All of my other children were gone. He's like, okay. So he goes and he starts picking them up. And I'm like, ah, this kid. And then he's picking them up, but he starts like stepping on them. I'm like, pick them up, pick them up. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he turns around and he steps. He's only three years old, little kid. That's what a cream puff Christian is, that a little tiny trial could step on you and you're gone. That's what wealth can do to you. Wealth can take you and suck you spiritually dry and say, you got to go after the money. Don't worry about your spiritual life. That even a little kid can take you out. And I find that even true to this day. Even talking with a few friends of mine saying, man, well, I got got to do this. I got to do that because of the decisions that were before. I can't go to Christ. I got to take care of this monetarily, financially. I got finances I got to take care of. Once I take care of the finances, then I'll come to Christ. Once I take care of what I have to do, then I will give my life over. Once everything is set in order, then I will be a disciple. See, what Joseph was about to stand for were more than just words coming out of his mouth. See, my friend, there's not much sacrifice needed because it's so easy when it comes to wealth to be spoiled and not soiled. Soiled meaning having your roots down deep. This is what Joseph began to fear out of being a disciple. And the third reason for Joseph's secret discipleship is that he was a man of high position. See, Joseph served on the court that oversaw the most memorable court case of all time. And his position did not allow him to mingle with commoners. He had a lot of influence and he had a lot of power. What his position stood for was more than just coming to the governor and saying, I have a good idea. Matter of fact, because of the death by exhaustion that took three days, you're not supposed to touch the body. Matter of fact, the Bible says it was the day of preparation, right? That's a whole sermon in and of itself. The day of preparation. Because the day of preparation means, okay, we're getting ready for the Sabbath. So if Christ died on the day of preparation, the very next day is Sabbath. And on the Sabbath day, you don't touch a thing. You don't eat. I mean, you stick to Jewish, Jewish law is Jewish law. Don't touch. Don't go. You can't go. There's actually a lot of laws to that. Without going into it, just on the Sabbath, just know this. If he were to touch any sort of body that was dirty or any carcass, anything, undefiled, he can be thrown out. You are not to do that. See, his position of what he was doing, he was not to mingle with the commoners. He couldn't go out there and just, you know, because to, to, the, to the councilman, Jesus was just a, he was just another guy making a ruckus, another guy starting a riot. Kill him like the rest of them. He's a commoner. We'll get rid of him but something happened to Joseph. Something took place in his life. Yes, he was a little scared at first. Yes, he knew he had a lot of wealth. Yes, he knew he had a high position. But all of a sudden, listen to me. All of a sudden, the cure, those were the causes. I give you three causes. He was fearful, he was wealthy, and he had a high position. But the cure, listen to me, this is just one point. The cure for Joseph of Arimathea's non-secrecy of being a disciple was all of a sudden, he became an eyewitness. He became an eyewitness. And he said, there's something that triggered inside of me. I said, that's my Savior. That's my Lord. Everyone else is mocking him. Everyone else has another agenda. Everyone else is making fun of him. Nobody else wants to go to that hill. I want to go and take that body. That's my Savior. Nobody touches him but me. This was very important what Joseph was saying to Pilate. You can't just go up to Pilate. You have to have status. Joseph had it. He understood his position. So here's Joseph, goes up to Pilate and he asks a request that you're not supposed to make this request. Let the commoners deal with that dead body. Let the commoners deal with that blood. But Joseph said, no, that's my Savior. I know before I didn't say anything. I know just a couple nights ago when they brought him before us, I stood here in the Sanhedrin and I was quiet. I know before when they were whipping him and beating him and mocking him and spitting on him, I was quiet. I know when everyone else was looking at him carrying that cross, so was I. And I said nothing. But now I see something on that cross. It did something to me. That cross, and what happened on that cross, I can't explain it to you, but I can only tell you there was an experience that happened in my life. Jesus Christ changed my life, and I've got to say something. I can't be a quiet, secret disciple no more. Jesus Christ changed me. He rearranged me. He transformed me, and because of that, i got to say something. i got to open my mouth. Listen to me. We should not be secret disciples. There's a lot writing on the message from your mouth. There's a lot writing on the message from your heart. I know sometimes you're there at your job and people are saying things and talking about things. They're even making fun of your religion. Christians are a bunch of fakes. Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. And in your heart, you want to like well, I kind of agree with him. I don't really know myself. And I just, listen, my friend, there needs to be something inside of you. You know what that means? You haven't had an experience yet. If you're still agreeing with the world, you haven't had a face-to-face encounter with that cross. Because the moment you have an encounter with that cross, you begin to tell everybody, I had an experience with my Savior, and I'm going to say something to tell everybody that wants to know about my experience. You know when you saw that one good movie you started telling everybody about it. Oh dude you should watch that movie. Oh you should go check it out. Oh man that movie was bomb. That movie was great. How much more for our savior? How much more for our master? How much more for our Lord? Joseph understood it and he understood it a little too late. Can you imagine if he would have said something in the council? Wow, he could have been counted amongst the great apostles. He could have been counted as one of the great disciples. Probably even more so than Peter, probably even more so than John, probably even more so, but he kept his mouth shut. Habakkuk chapter 2, and I'm closing with this. It's been said that he who stands for nothing will fall for anything. I want you to know something here this morning, Victory Outreach Heart. Stands do a lot. Stands do a lot. It's time to make a stand. It's time to take a stand. The Bible says in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1, it says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. And what answer I am to give this complaint? Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. I heard this from Pastor Sonny Jr. many years ago, and I want to share it with you. Impacted my life about 12, 13 years ago. And he shared this scripture. Impacted me ever since then. talked about how many people, they go to school and they pursue an education just enough to get an A. Just enough to get by. I just, just teacher, tell me enough so I can get an A. That's it. And many times, that's kind of how Christians are when we come to church. Just tell me enough just so that I can get by and I'm okay. Where my sins are, I don't know about her sins or his sins, but my sins are good. Just give me enough just so I can know. See, the Bible says, to get that vision Write it down. Make it plain. See, us here in Victory Outreach many times, we don't have a problem with writing down the vision. We really don't. You can matter of fact, when you walked in here, you seen posters right there, you seen a poster there, you seen the video here, you see it in our leaflets and our pamphlets right here, you go on our website. What's Victory Outreach all about? What's their beliefs? We don't have a problem writing it down. Sometimes we have a problem running with it. We have a problem running with the vision writing it down, making it plain. That's really not an issue anymore because of the forefathers that went before us. They made it plain. They made it very clear what we're called to do. We just sometimes have a problem taking a stand for it. If anybody here this morning would be a secret disciple, I pray after this message, after this morning, you would say, I'm not going to be a secret no more. Listen, this is not... The secret service. We're not here protecting a president. We are here declaring the king of kings. That's what we're here doing. A lot of people always figure, okay, I'm going to church. Yes, okay, don't tell nobody. Don't tell nobody I'm going to church. All right, okay. I'll be back on Monday, you guys. Yeah, go ahead and keep doing whatever you're doing. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to church. Okay, God bless you. Your mission field, your commission field is out there in that workplace. Where you think, listen, you don't go to work to make money. If that's a surprise to some of you, surprise. I know many of you think, well, I go to work, I'm going to make money so I can get a house, get a car, get all these nice things. I want you to know something. I like what Pastor Toby said the other day. He who dies with the most toys still dies still dies. Listen, my friend, what God has called us to do here, we made it plain. We wrote it down. We want to reach the inner cities of the world. As AJ comes to the piano here this morning, you know what excites me when I see Artie here? And I I don't know why. I have no idea why, but I was talking with Greg the other day, and he made it clear to me, actually. We were talking. We were sitting down, and we were talking. And I said, man, ever since I was young, now, I know you look at me and you go, oh, Pastor, good, great, awesome. Yeah, I was never a gang member, never a drug addict. Matter of fact, the one drink I did was in church when they gave it to me for communion. Pastor Communion. Can I get some more of this, please? I didn't, well, because drinking really never appealed to me, to be honest drinking you know going out there getting crazy it wasn't attractive to me it just wasn't smoking getting high I had family members and believe me they were in their 30s they looked like they were already in their 50s and 60s and they were in their 30s so my father used to tell me he goes you see your uncle is that what you want uh no you know that, that was my dare program right there you know go see my aunt. She didn't have her teeth. I mean, my family, if you know my family, they were hardcore. Hardcore. Like, nothing like real soft. I can't think of anything my family did soft. Nothing. They didn't do nothing. Soft. Like, if they were going to go beat somebody up, 20 of them went. If they were going to go shoot, they had like 10 guns. If they were going to go do heroin, everybody, like, everyone's doing heroin. We're, we're getting loaded, we're getting high. We're, so, but me... I never had that. I never had the desire to go out there with gangs. I never wanted to do that. And so the other day we were talking, and I was talking with Greg, and I said, man, all of a sudden, since I got saved, since I got saved, I've always had the homies around me. Always. Like, I can't get them off me. (laughs) I'm just kidding i've always had just something like i believe i ain't got no tattoos i don't know but man i just there's something that i just i like Artie was saying uh, he took me because i remember a couple times he goes hey pastor let's go to the homies you know let's go talk to him i don't know if he thought i was gonna be like no i'm not going there that's Surenio. they're scary We would call a couple times, even late at night. Let's go, hey. you know, I remember one time he goes, hey, my homeboy needs prayer. All right, let's go. Remember we got in the car. And there was a bunch of them. Right up. Hey, how you guys doing? Bam, just get right in there. Now, you would think, well, you have to be a gang member to reach a gang member. You need to be a drug, ex-drug addict to reach a drug addict. How many of you, if you were to have cancer, you walk into the hospital go, okay, doc, only if you have cancer will you treat me. You don't do that you go hey man I'm I'm sick help me my arm is dislocated can you put it back in its place the blood inside I don't know what's wrong with it my hand keeps shaking can you help me I need help my marriage is all messed up can you share with me my parenting I don't know what's wrong I don't understand I don't get it can you help me see people my friend they just want the help of the disciple that's inside of you they don't care if it comes to you. Were you a drug addict first? Okay, now you can help me. Were you a gang member? No. I don't care about nothing. I've been inside of situations where guns, the same thing. He says, pulled to his head. I remember a gun pulled to my chest. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. But it wasn't until I said, hey, I'm from church. He went, oh, okay. And he took the gun down. See, those are my testimonies, ironically. My testimony is when people were in Chicago shooting at us. Boom, boom, boom. The Latin kings tells, get out of here. We don't want your God. And I remember the pastor, I forgot his name. His name slips my mind. The pastor grabbed the microphone, turned around. The guy in the window shooting at us goes, everybody stretch your hands forth and we're going to pray for that guy. While they're shooting at us. See, those are the kind of folk, man, I love it. People have looked at me and told me to my face. Get your God the hell out of my life. To my face. And I said, you know what? Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. I had a guy, I don't know if Marina was there in London. The guy socked me in the face. I don't remember that. I socked me in the face because I gave him a flyer. Boom, I had my hood on. He grabbed my hood. Boom, socked me in the face. Whoa turned around and I seen a bunch of people laying hands on him in the (laughs) spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you're listening on the podcast, you ain't going to get that one. Listen, I don't know what it is. But I've seen vision, it's plain, it's simple. Reach the drug addict, reach the hurting, reach the homies, just go do it. Just just do it, you have been anointed and appointed to do it. Some of you that you're scared, like, well, I can't do it, I didn't come from that background. Neither was I. And, well, I didn't do it. What's funny is that some of you came from that background and now you look at it and go, oh, I ain't going there anymore. What? there in the club getting all crazy hey and here we are witnessing to you and you're like all right thank you And then all of a sudden God touched your life like all right praise the Lord I ain't going back there God's called you he's appointed you he separated you whether you came from that lifestyle or not God has given you a word and a vision inside of you Joseph of Arimathea, finally, 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 got an experience with that cross. And he said, that's my Savior. That's my Lord. That's my God. And I will not be silent anymore. I'm going to say something. Hayward in the Bay Area is waiting for you to say something. This is what we're going to do. I want the ushers. Before we make an altar call, we're going to do this real quick. A part of the altar call. This is all a part of it. Now, even if you're visiting with us and you say, well, I'm not a part of this church. It doesn't matter. You are the church. I'll break it down for you later as we go out. If you want, you come up to the altar and say, what does that mean? You are the church. Yes, this is not the church. Lights, screens, pianos, music, amps. These are not the church. You've come to an auditorium. You've come to a building. This is not the church. You are. So you, this is what we're going to do. We're going to send the church to the streets every single one of you even if you're like well i just got saved you know what i found the ones who just got saved got the most passion they got the most fire they're all messed up but they don't care it's the ones who've been saved a while who are all messed up and they care like man i'm all messed up man i can't do this but the ones who just got like man we gotta get around those pastor those are the ones we gotta bring in man just get them in here let's go like have them lead us have them lead us, they got fire, they got passion, let's go! This is what we're going to do. I want every single one of us, three days, three days, Jesus died, rose again on three days. It won't take three days. And I want to give you three days. Whether, whether you feel you are adequate enough to do it or not, I want to give you the opportunity to not be a secret disciple. This is what we're going to do. I have flyers, I always have flyers on me anyways. Flyer, this is what I'm going to ask every single person here whether you know what to say or not. Bible says, just go and I will give you the words. This is a two fold purpose. Okay, just want to tell you, this is not evangelism, this isn't evangelism. This is a flyer, it holds two purposes. Number one, it's an icebreaker. That's it, it's just an icebreaker. Say, hey, how you doing? I want to give you this flyer normally you wouldn't walk up to anybody and go hey how you doing unless you're like me i'll do that i don't care hey Jeslyn, how you doing all right i'll walk up to you i don't care that's how i am but if you're not i understand not everybody's like me but that's okay you don't have to be like me you just have to be like him that's what the bible says first john chapter two just read it you gotta be like him and if you're gonna be like him you gotta spread the gospel so this is the way to help you number one this is an icebreaker just break the ice break the ice and number two it's a reminder that's all it is this is not evangelism this is an icebreaker and it's a reminder what I want you to do is I'm going to give every single person here whether you feel yourself a strong disciple or a weak disciple everybody's going to have an opportunity to share the discipleship I want to give everybody five flyers five flyers and within three days I want you to share the gospel to five people people each flyer represents your mouth being open and talking to somebody about Jesus Christ and the death burial and resurrection of the Savior why because you had an encounter at the cross you had an encounter so this this is not the encounter this is the encounter it's right here and because it's right here it's gonna come out of here icebreaker reminder that's all this is but I want to give you the next three days to take a flyer a witness to somebody, and I mean, witness and eyewitness. Not please don't do that, please don't promote. Okay, we have promotion teams going out doing the promotion. I want to give everybody an opportunity to be a witness. And you're gonna to go to somebody and say, Hey, I want to give you this, but did you know that Jesus loves you? Listen to the testimony of Nikki Cruz. They were about to throw down in a gang fight with David Wilkerson preaching. They had the the gangs right here, the bishops and the Mau Mau's. And they were ready. Back in the early 60s, they were going to fight in the middle of a preaching. The whole gang, there was hundreds of them, hundreds of Mau Mau's, hundreds of the bishops. They were about to throw down right there in the middle. They had planned it out and the Bible, or excuse me, when Nikki shares his testimony, he shares it, he goes, they were walking out and all of a sudden David Wilkerson came up and for seven minutes shared his experience with the cross. And when David Wilkerson shared his experience with the cross, shared how Jesus was beaten and bruised, he was mocked at, he was the king of the Jews and they mocked him for it, he was their very own savior and his very own people wanted to kill him. Nikki Cruz stopped in his tracks and for seven minutes Stopped every single gang member in that whole place from fighting. Because David Wilkerson stood up, not a gang member, definitely not a drug addict. Intervened and said, this will not happen today. Not in my house. Some of you, you're going to get this flyer. And you're going to see somebody on the roadside. And I'm going to challenge you, turn around. Some of you, you're going to be in the supermarket and you're going to be walking. You're going to be buying groceries. You're going to be going around and picking up everything that you need on that list. And all of a sudden, God's going to quicken your spirit and your heart. Oh, my gosh. I want to let you know that Jesus loves you. Jesus Christ has a plan for you. And then, what? What's going on here? Because you're going to intervene. And you're going to say, not in my house. Secret disciples no more. I will not close my mouth. I will not keep it quiet. The devil has his agenda. The devil's trying to keep me quiet, but out of fear. I know my position. doesn't matter. I'm still going to say something, and I'm going to let the people know that Jesus Christ has a plan for their life, that Jesus Christ died for them, and he rose again, and he's coming again for you and for me. I want them to pass it out. Go ahead. Start passing it out right now. All the ushers, go ahead. Start passing out. Five flyers. Each and every one of you pass out five flyers. Pass out five flyers. You're all going to get five. Don't worry about it. It's just five. Now, for those of you that are, you're thinking, well, I could do more than five. No, no, no. Next three days, you're going to talk to five people. You're not going to pass out a flyer. My son, I'm teaching my son to do that. Now, my next level is I'm going to teach him how to preach when he passes out the flyers. He's not there yet, but hey, this is good enough. Pass it out. Pass it out. i seen my son with the men's home yesterday. He said, Come on now. Loved it. Yeah, Reverend Stevie. Love it. Love it. That's how I grew up. Same way. Maybe that's why. Maybe I come to think about it. Maybe that's why. Grew up in the home. Half the guys at my wedding were from the home. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm serious? No, no, no. Five flyers. Five people. Now, maybe some of you, you might have a moment where you have five people, bam, right there. And you preach. But I want to challenge you. Whether you know them or whether you don't. Three days. Three days. On the first day, you're gonna to die to yourself. And you're gonna die between two thieves. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna do this. The next day, it's gonna be a war and a battle. Whew. The enemy is gonna to try to tell you, keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. You don't know what you're saying, you don't know enough of the word. Be quiet. But on the third day, yeah. God, you gave me the strength. God, you gave me the power. Put somebody in my path today that I could be a secret disciple no more. I'm gonna share the gospel and I'm gonna preach it, whether it's my family or my friends or somebody I've never met in my life. Secret disciple no more. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would touch the hearts and the minds. Uh, the hearts uh, uh, of the men and the women, Lord God, here this morning, Lord God. Have your way, Jesus. Lord, this is a very pivotal message within our ministry, within our heart, oh God. Lord, speak to your people beyond my words that come forth from this microphone through the speakers, Lord God. Lord, let your Holy Spirit do the ministry, even right now, Lord God. Have your way, Jesus. No more secret disciples. No more men and women that will close their mouths in the middle of counsel, in the of of what needs an intervention right now, Lord God. Father, speak to your people so that we can speak your words. Father, have your way in Jesus' name. Everybody stand with me here this morning. I want to make an altar call right here, right now. If you're saying, you know what, I don't want to be a secret disciple no more. I don't want to keep my mouth closed. I'm going to share the gospel.